Hi, my name is Tom Alston. I'm the founder and CEO of Aeromarine Tax Professionals. Here on the Winning Pitch Broadcast, I'm going to tell you how it is. I'll be sharing the ins and outs of business management, improving your sales skills, building personal and professional wealth, and balancing it all with your personal and family life, excluding the part about balancing it with your personal life. Don't expect a filter because we're about to rustle some feathers. Have fun. Welcome to this edition of the Winning Pitch Broadcast. My guest today is Sam Harris, who's a friend of mine in the aviation industry. In fact, if you're getting ready to buy an airplane and you need the money, call Sam. And Sam will give you his phone number and way to contact him later as we get closer to the end. So, Sam, tell us your story of how you became successful. Okay. Well, thanks, Tom, for the opportunity to talk with you. You and I talked a little bit about this. You know, successful, I think, is a relative term. You and I are in the business of handling high net worth individuals and corporations that are buying corporate jets and other types of aircraft. So, you know, we certainly see people that are very successful that have done many different things in their lifetimes to get there. A lot of times they're niche oriented. And I also think that success can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So having said all that, again, I think it's different things to different people. In my case, I have basically always been a hard worker, not maybe necessarily the best scholar, you know, or athlete. But when I was younger, I was always somewhat interested in business and economics and things like that, which ultimately led me into the banking industry after college. And in that industry, I got into the equipment financing business with a bank-owned leasing company right out of college and learned a little bit about banking and equipment financing. And then also along the way, this was probably about 25 years plus ago, when I was financing some tractor trailers for a client of mine in the Ohio area, he happened to be buying a King Air B200. And I was with GE Capital at the time. And we ended up financing the aircraft for this trucking client. That was the first aircraft financing transaction that I had done. And then, you know, back in the day, I think that was a couple million dollar transaction. And I did the quick math in my head and said, oh, it might be better to finance a $2 million aircraft than a $50,000 tractor trailer. So at that point, the bank that I was working for allowed me to start a small boutique aircraft financing business inside of the bank because I had had experience at GE Capital and the bank was already financing commercial airliners. They wanted to start what you would call a vertical business inside of the bank and pursue the corporate business jet aviation financing segment. So that was back. What was the time frame in the 80s, 90s? Yeah, that was 1994 with a small (laughs) bank in Ohio called the Provident Bank. And so that was 1994 after I'd spent a couple of years at GE Capital. You know, this was a little bit time in a little bit different place in a smaller bank that, you know, wasn't as structured 
as a lot of the larger banks are today. And so when I raised my hand and said, I want to be the corporate aircraft guy, they basically let me run with that and build that and develop that business from scratch and build it out. I recently saw my former boss, who now lives in Hilton Head, we were visiting there recently, and I thanked him because he gave me the latitude to do that back in 1994 and get into the aviation business versus the general equipment financing business. And quite frankly, it made a big difference in my life in terms of you know what I've been able to do and achieve inside of this industry that we're in. I thanked him for that because that was very important to me. And not a lot of people would, you know, necessarily give somebody an opportunity like that. So I kind of look back and say, you know, you look at, you know, what kind of happens along the way. And, you know, some of this, some of it is right place, right time. You know, luck counts a lot too. Somebody there to give you a break and give you a chance and give you an opportunity. You know, all those things are tremendously helpful. Have you always been kind of a natural salesman or what led you into being confident enough to say, I'm going to be in the aircraft sales business and I could make this work? When I was younger, I was really a little bit more shy and timid and I was not a natural salesman. I mentioned yesterday when we talked briefly about the time that I had gotten into the banking industry, which was 1985, right out of college. The banking industry was starting to change substantially in that the old school bankers, they sat at their big oak desk at the bank branch and waited for customers to come to them. And the banking business was starting to become very competitive, a lot of mergers, acquisitions, Banks realized they needed to grow. They needed to be less old-fashioned, less stodgy. So in the early to mid-80s, they started to develop this idea of, hey, we need salespeople that will leave the bank and go out and call on customers and bring in new business to the bank. And that was sort of a newer idea in the mid-80s. Banks were not doing that. I saw that happening. And... It looked to me like people that could do that, that could go out and bring revenue producing opportunities and new customers to the bank. It looked to me like those people were going to be financially rewarded for being able to do that. So part of it was, hey, I wanted to make some money and I saw that as a path to do so. I had read a book right out of college and I'm not exactly sure the title at this point. But one of the things that the book encouraged people to do is to get outside of their comfort zone. And it might have been how to make friends and influence people, I think. So to get outside of your comfort zone and to do things that you wouldn't normally be comfortable with, according to this book, was a way to grow. So because of the combination of those things, you know, I decided that I wanted to be in the sales side of the business. And so, you know, I read and practiced and, you know, pushed myself to do things that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with. And then, you know, of course, after you do things like that for a period of time, then you become comfortable with them. So I transitioned into that side of the business. And then I was with that particular bank. I was there for 16 years, but the bank was bought and sold twice during that time. So that was brought us into... I guess eventually it was about 2008 that the bank had been sold again. 
We had aviation finance group at that bank for 16 years. It had been uh, successful. We had done a lot of large cabin aircraft financing over the years. And then once the final merger took place that I was willing to go through, I sort of had enough of it at that point after 25 years in the banking business. And at that point, I decided to go out on my own. The other thing with the banking industry was there were so many mergers and acquisitions taking place that you could be with a bank one day and they were actively involved and engaged in aviation financing. And then a merger took place or the board of directors would change directions and you're out of business the next day looking for a job. So I figured that for me, the best way not to have to be subject to mergers and acquisitions and changing was to go out and do it on my own as an aviation loan broker. So instead of working for one bank, I could basically work with dozens and dozens and dozens, if not over a hundred banks, which what I now have in my database. What gave you the courage to think that you could survive on your own with all the normal support staff and altitude and reputation that a bank had? You know, I mean, that's a little bit of a leap of faith for sure. You know, at that point in my life, you know, I was 45, 46 years old. I had a lot of experience and I had a lot of contacts. However, you know, I didn't know for sure that I could do it. I liked the concept and I didn't want to be in the corporate banking world anymore. So basically, I had to figure out a way to make it work because I didn't want to go back to that. So, you know, that can be a pretty strong, you know, motivator. A friend of mine, Grant Cardone, says, commit first and figure it out later. And that's kind of what you did. That's kind of what I did without really thinking about it too much. You know, I thought I could do it. I'm more of a doer than a planner. Yeah, you know, and I'm not saying that's right, wrong, or indifferent. I had a basic idea, concept of what I thought the business could look like in terms of I thought it would be powerful to not just have access to one bank the way they do things, but to have access to dozens and dozens and dozens of banks. And that way, I felt like I could be very competitive and solve a lot of different customers' financial needs in terms of how they finance their aircraft, because banks vary quite a bit in terms of their appetite for financing certain aircraft types, industry types, usage profiles. It varies a lot. So when you're at one bank, you've got one bag of tricks. So, you know, to me, to be very diversified in funding sources, I, you know, I thought that could work. Let me ask you the most important question for our listeners. You're in the banking industry, you had a career in the banking industry, and then you decided to go out on your own. Did your income fall off that first year from what you were making in the banking industry to being on your own, or did it go up? It definitely fell off for several years. And I will sort of, you know, there was a time in the go-go years prior to the financial crisis where there was a lot of activity, you know, in the aviation financing business. And I'm not so sure, you know, I don't know that the, now the industry is pretty strong again today, but, you know, there was a period of several years after the financial crisis, you know, where things just didn't recover. I don't know if you recall, but it seemed to take a number of years after the financial crisis to where the level of activity in the corporate aviation space sort of returned. But I did for a number of years you know, earned less than I was earning working for a large corporation. What Was it a significant enough thing that you started to second guess your decision to go out on your own? 
start to lose a little bit of your faith or your confidence. <laughs> if you allow yourself to think about it, it might scare you a little bit. But, you know, I sort of, you know, I had a rough game plan in terms of what I thought would work. And I found that, you know, if I wanted to think about the big picture too much, yeah, you would get a little bit scared. But I found that if I just got into the office, got to work and, you know, worked my ass off all day long, that worked without overthinking it too much and maybe to a fault, but without overthinking it and just, you know, full speed ahead, don't look back. And How so, long did it take to you to get to the point where you said I made the right decision? Well, it was, um, we did a couple of different things right after the 2009, 2010 timeframe. You know, okay. you might recall that there was not a lot of the economic activity was different. So, you know, but I would tell you, and I did a couple of different things with some people from the bank that I partnered with for a while. This particular business model that I have now I've really been, you know, with in terms of brokering of loans to a variety of banks, I've had this business model for about seven to eight years now. So after there was a two or three year period of time after I left the bank, when I was doing some other things still related to this, then I would say that I, you know, sort of wandered through the wilderness for a couple, two, three years trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. And then when I settled upon this model and then really devoted a lot of time and effort to it, it took probably a couple more years, but it gelled pretty nicely within a couple of years. And I had always felt when I was, you know, back in corporate America, working for large corporations, if they gave you a new sales territory, it was my observation. It always took you a couple of years to build it out anyway. And so I didn't really find this to be too much different. Perfect. Okay. So, if you could go back and tell yourself at, say, when you were in junior high school, so you were, what, 13, 14 years old, what would be the message that you would send back to yourself? Well, I have been telling younger people, including my kids who were just out of college, and some of my uh, you know, young people that I know, uh, that I talk to, and sometimes they want to consult with me a little bit about, hey, you know, what about this? You know, what about that? I would say that I would take more risk versus taking less risk and take more risk at an earlier age. If I had been, I'm 58 now, and I've had the business model for about seven or eight years. If I had this business model 25 years ago and had devoted the time and the energy you know, to this model over a long period of time, I find that it works. And so you know, I'm a believer in more risk, not less, be less comfortable, not more comfortable. In other words, and I think a lot of young people today get this. I mean, back in the, you know, in the day, 25, 30 years ago, a lot of us wanted to go to work for a large corporation and have safety and security. But we found out along the way because of mergers and corporate, you know, cultures and things like this, that you could be merged out, you could be cut, you could be moved sideways. You didn't have a lot of control over your own destiny. And so I think a lot of younger people today have figured out that maybe isn't the route to go so much. And I hear a lot of people wanting to be more entrepreneurial, which I think is great because at the end of the day, you probably have more control 
over your own destiny if you're more entrepreneurial. So again, it's, you know, it's more risk taking, but I encourage young people I talk to to take more risk. Good advice. Good advice. So if you could go back and talk to yourself when you were a junior in high school, I presume that's when you were making a decision about what college you were going to go to and what degree you were going to get. Yeah. Would you change anything? Well, again, you know, I mean, I was a BC student, not a great scholar. You know, I wanted to go to a college university or a state university where it wouldn't be too hard to get in and, you know, get into business and marketing. So I kind of always knew that I was going to do that. It probably, you know, took me in a very different path in terms of, you know, corporate jet financing. I didn't even know what that was, you know, when I was in junior high. I didn't even know what it really was when I was in college. So I wouldn't, you know, really have envisioned that I would be in this industry. But, you know, I don't know that I, I don't know that I would necessarily change paths. I probably would have studied a little bit harder and hit the books a little bit harder. But, you know, beyond that. I hear a lot of people say that. So let me ask you, why? Well, I have a couple of differing opinions on that. Yeah. So, you know, one is it's a more competitive world today academically than it was many years ago when I was young. You know, I find that, you know, for young people today that are looking at colleges, you know, you have to have a lot better grades than you did back when I was looking at colleges. So, you know, I would think to have better grades probably gives you more options in terms of, you know, choices of schools and things like that. So I think you have a few more options. I've always kind of weighed that out with, you know, it's great to be educated. The more education, the better. You know, you also want to, I believe, if you want to go into your own business, I think that you also have to, you know, have a thought process of somewhat of being independent, being able to think outside of the box, being, you know, not afraid to take risks. So, you know, I say that in terms of, yeah, I wish I would have studied a little bit harder. And I really do. But, you know, again, on the other hand, if I look at my customers, you know, that own anywhere from a nice piston airplane all the way up to a large cabin business jet, most of those people don't work for corporate America. Most of those people are entrepreneurial, they're risk takers, they found a niche, and, you know, they worked it really hard. So the educational part is great, but I think that, you know, if I look at my customers and the people that are extremely successful, they're probably more well-rounded and more risk takers versus being academians. But, you know, it all depends on, you know, what you like. So I take it from your point of view, you see more successful people as taking more risk. Is that a correct assessment? Yeah, that's my opinion. I completely agree with you. And I think that, I think you could make that case because I don't know anybody who sat in their bedroom or their mom's basement and became extremely wealthy. And maybe in the internet online shopping cart business, you can pull that off, but not in my world, especially someone at my age or your world. So I agree with you. And I think it it's true even to the person working out of their mom's basement. The more risk you take, it'll expand you because you're right. either growing or you're dying. There's no level off point of just being comfortable. Comfortable to me is a disease that's gradually killing you. I'll tell you how I really feel about it. You got to be constantly learning new things constantly 
educating yourself in new ways to do things, constantly reading books. I probably read 50 or 60 books a year. You know, if you're not investing that in yourself, then you have nothing to invest in your company and it can't grow. You know, I'm constantly looking for expansion. In fact, my the only expansion I used to have was that I gained weight because I ate a lot. And <laughs> I realized that expansion, whatever was telling me to expand, I was misinterpreting it as lots of pizza and donuts. And what I needed was to fill my essence or my soul or however you want to characterize it with some form of training to let, raise my personal confidence to a point that I was bite off more risk. And that's just, you know, my point, that's where I've arrived at. So, and I, yeah, I found I, it very I, interesting I, that at 58, if you could go back and tell yourself something, you kind of had the same lesson. Life teaches you, you should have took more risk when you look back at it. That's the way I look at it too. So I see that. Yeah. And I see your point about reading and trying to gather exposure to new things. You know, it does bring you ideas, you know, things that, you know, one of my favorite sayings is you don't know what you don't know. Absolutely true. And it's absolutely true. And so, you know, there can be a lot of different ways to be successful to skin a cat. I mean, the way that I go about business today in my little business is very different, really, than I would have six, seven, eight years ago. And so, you know, along the way, I made observations and made changes and found better ways to do things. And, you know, I'm not kidding myself either because I'm sure that I can be a lot better than I am, you know, today. And, you know, I do strive to, you know, to get better and to grow. And, you know, when you're exposed to different things and you get these different ideas, you know, sometimes the light bulb goes off and you say, hey, you know, this guy, you, know, you see this idea, this thought process, and you say that, you know, that could work in my business, so I'm going to try it. So you always have to be open to those things. And like you said, you know, you're either growing or you're going backwards. So to me, you always got to keep your foot on the gas and keep going forward. Yeah. So I have a couple of questions that I like to ask people just to try to make them think. And the first one is taking into account your entire work history at any job, including one that you may have been working in high school. Tell me about your single best moment at any job. Tell us what job that is. Kind of identify the year and be so descriptive about why that really was a good thing for you that the listeners can be there with you. Back in about 2012, I had a client in the Florida area. He was a very successful entrepreneur, and he was in an industry that you wouldn't necessarily correlate a lot of wealth with. And this guy was a worker seven days a week. He made a lot of money, and he decided that he was going to go out and buy G650. And it was one of the very first ones. And he ended up purchasing it new from Gulfstream and he had to wait to get it. So we ended up, this was actually, after I was now out of my own brokering loans. We put a transaction together to do a progress payment financing transaction on the airplane that didn't exist yet. So that the bank was paying the manufacturer progress payments over a couple of year period of time to build this aircraft out. And it was a, you know, expensive aircraft. Back in 2012, that was probably around $70 million, right? Well, he got one of the early ones. It was less money than that. But suffice it to say, it was, you know, 60 plus or minus in that, you know, in that range. And so 
We put together the progress payment financing for you know $60 million or so. And then when the client took delivery, we also arranged to do a takeout financing on that. So we put some term debt in place on the takeout financing and financed the aircraft for him then. This all went on for a couple of year period of time. So we basically did two transactions on this, you know, one asset that was, you know, approximately 60 some odd million dollar airplane. And we arranged a term loan on it. He kept the airplane for a year or two, rented it back to the manufacturer, and then in fact did sell it for $72 million ultimately. So that was the biggest deal that I've ever done in my lifetime. It was a lot of fun to do it. It was financially rewarding, you know, and it was just really interesting all the way around. So there was a lot of satisfaction involved in getting a transaction of that magnitude, you know, completed. It was really a lot of fun. Okay. Well, let me ask you the opposite side of that question, considering your entire work history and you can go back to jobs you had in high school. Tell me about your single worst moment on any job. And again, put the listener there. You know, I got to tell you, I'm very competitive. And so, you know, everything that we look at in terms of a financing opportunity usually comes to us in the form of, you know, hey, you know, give us a quote, right? So, you know, we're kind of only as good as our last deal. You know, we don't really do a lot of consulting where somebody says, go, you know, hey, I want to hire you, you know, go do this particular job. Usually they ask us for a financing quote. And if we have the best terms, we win, you know, so I would tell you that I'm very competitive and every time I lose a transaction is probably the worst, you know, business experience I had because I like to win every time if I can. But um, I would tell you probably, you know, going back to late 2008, 2009, you know, we went into a financial crisis, as you recall, I can, I can vividly remember it coming in August, September of 2008 I was working for a large bank at the time, and we were attending the NBAA, which that year was in Orlando, Florida. And we had flown down to Florida. We were exhibiting. The convention was just starting. And I think that it was one of the big brokerages, Bear Stearns or Lehman or somebody, they went out of business overnight. And we're sitting down at the NBAA. You probably remember this. We're sitting in Florida at the NBAA. The financial crisis just you know, all of a sudden it was, you know, it was on. And I remember being down in Florida with about the NBAA had just started and everybody's standing there, you know, looking around in the sky. It was like, you know, all the air just went out of the balloon and everybody's like, what are we doing here? I mean, nobody's buying aircraft, you know, people, they didn't know what they were going to do. And so basically, I guess the show went on, but most people just, you know, packed their bags and left. You know, that was a pretty low point in terms of, you know, being in this industry and thinking, well, you know, hell, the world just ended. And, you know, if you were in the financial business at that time, it was quite scary working for a large bank and then seeing what was happening to the bank. A lot of banks were having trouble. A lot of customers were having trouble. And it was a very scary time. So, you know, that was probably the low point. And, and I had a pretty good idea at that time that the financing business as I knew it and my job with that particular financing institution was going to change radically and quickly. You could really just feel it. And in fact, it did. You know, and so that was sort of a low point in terms of the economy and being scared 
On the other hand, it ultimately pushed me out of the corporate banking world and into my own business, which I may not have done unless that happened. So I was going to ask you, but I think you just answered it. What was the good news? What was the good result of that disaster? I think the good news is you go through something like that that's truly scary. And, you know, that was at this point, that was 12 years ago. We haven't seen anything like that, which was, you know, probably from an economic standpoint, it was probably, you know, just second to the Great Depression in the 30s. I mean, it was a very significant event. So I think it teaches you that you can go through something that's very scary, that's very life changing from a career standpoint. And you can figure it out. You know, you can reinvent yourself. You can, once you survive that kind of thing, you know, you're a little less scared about other things that might happen to you because you kind of got through that. So, you know, I think it makes you grow. I think it makes you tougher. And it makes you realize in business as in life, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs. And, you know, I guess I would say, you know, when you're down and things look low, it might not be as bad as you think they are. You can always get through it. And on the other hand, you know, if you're on a big high, you know, be careful because that could change too. So, you know, to be able to absorb the highs and lows and sort of plug ahead, I think is important. Well done. Well said. So if you could deliver a message to every being, all 7 billion people on this planet, what would it be? <laughs> well, you know, I think it's really just kind of, you know, what I said. I mean, you know, I, you know, my my world and what I do, you know, I spend a lot of time every day, you know, being involved in this industry, you know, so a lot of what I do just kind of revolves around the way I look at the business world. And I think I've already said it, you know, I think that you say, you know, talking to everybody, you know, not everybody does what we do, or they're interested in what we do. But as it relates to what we do, you obviously have your own very successful business. And so the things I talk about, I think that you can relate to. But, you know, again, I think as it relates to business, I think it's take more chance. Another saying I like that my financial advisor friend tells me is get comfortable being uncomfortable. And, you know, so I like that, too. So I just think that you need to work hard. You need to take chances. You need to get outside of your comfort zone. And that's as it relates to business and how I think that you can be successful in a business environment. I'm limiting my comments to that. But those are my thoughts. Excellent. You learned something today. Well done. So as far as today's winning pitch broadcast, that is the end of what Sam Harris has to say to the world at this point. Sam, if you've got any new epiphanies that come up in the future. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I've invested in your business and personal success, and I hope you found this episode of the podcast insightful. If you or your business is ready to grow, check out my website, 10 Excellence. This is the way that you do that. Number 10, then XLENZ.com. Be sure to follow me and send questions on Facebook at Arrow and Marine Tax Professionals and on Twitter and YouTube at Thomas Alston. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on our next episode. 